Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Rita, your host. Thank you for joining us. It's wonderful to be able to be together again in this uh, brand new year and looking forward for what God has in place for us all. But um, we are going to start a Bible study managing for the master. This will be a topic uh, looking over a number of weeks. And today we'll um, just um, look a little bit more in depth what that means to be part of God's family. I'd like to welcome our panel for today. It's good to have you with us, uh, Denise. Thank you, Nick. It's wonderful to be here this new year. Will, thank you for joining us. Thank you, uh, Nick. Jerry, welcome to the discussion today. Thank you, Nick. Always a pleasure. Brenton, thank you for being part of this panel. Nick, I think these studies are going to be very, very interesting ones as we share them with their listeners. Len, also it's very good to have you part of this and um, sharing today what that means to be part of God's family. Thanks, Nick. Hello, listeners. I'd like to say it's a privilege to be able to share from God's word. Ken, it's good to have you with us today. And in particular, I want to thank you for preparing this Bible study. You are going to facilitate this discussion today. And uh, yes, it's, it's good to, to be with us today. Thank you, Nick. It's always a privilege to be here. And as Brenton said a moment ago, I think these uh, uh, studies we're looking at this particular quarter are very, very interesting. And, and uh, I'm really looking forward to being involved with those. All right. Well, uh, we are not going to take too much uh, time of introduction. We're going right into the subject. Ken, if you could take us through. Thank you, Nick. As Christians, an amazing feature about our relationship with God is that he trusts us to manage his affairs on the earth. At the very outside of human history, God explicitly delegated to Adam and Eve the personal care of a flawless creation. From the naming of the animals to keeping the garden and to filling the earth with children, God let it be known that we are to work on his behalf here. He also blesses us with resources, but we are the ones whom he has entrusted to manage them, such as to collect money, to write the checks, to do the electronic transfers, to make the budgets, or to bring our tithes and offerings to the church on Sabbath mornings. God encourages us to spend the resources that he has given us for our own needs, for the needs of others, and for the advancement of his work. Incredibly, as it may seem, we are the ones whom God has entrusted raising his children, building his buildings, and educating the succeeding generations. But before we delve into this, I'm going to ask Denise if she would open with prayer. Yes, let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning at the beginning of this new day and the beginning of this new Bible study, and we ask that you would guide us and bless us. Bless the listeners, bless the panel. We ask that your Holy Spirit will be with us as we discuss this important topic and as we look at your word, and uh, we ask that your Spirit would open our minds and help us to understand the things that we read and you, that you will help us to apply them to our lives. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Denise. 
In today's study, we will explore the privileges and responsibilities of being a part of God's family, what it means and the part we have to play in it. Let's start by looking at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. Jerry, would you read this and explain what it means to be part of God's family? Yes, Ken. Um, it reads, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Okay, well, the Bible tells us that we are sinful people. It's like it's in our DNA. We were born with a nature that has a tendency to or a leaning towards sin. And the Apostle Paul says, all have sinned, Romans 3.23, and fall short of the glory of God. And sin always results in the death of the one who sins, Romans 6.23, where it says the wages of sin is death. But the love of God is so strong for sinful human beings that rather than have them suffer the consequences of their sins, he sent the sinless one, Jesus, his son, to save us by having him pay the penalty for our sins. And if we by faith accept Jesus as our personal saviour, and dedicate our lives to him, we are welcomed into the family of God as his children. In other words, we are born again. In John 3.17 it says, For God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God loves us all the time, but he had to come up with a solution to the sin problem. That solution was in the perfect sinless being of his Son Jesus who took all our sins of the whole world upon himself and died on Calvary so that we or so that whosoever would accept him by faith as their saviour would now become a child of the heavenly family. God can then share all that he has with us if we would turn to him and trust him. Thank you, Jerry. Brenton, you had a word? Two words that uh, Jerry read in the sentence I found interesting. Behold is one, and the second one is bestow. They both start with B. Behold um, suggests absolute astonishment on the part of John that we should be called children of God. And the word bestow suggests that it was given to us as a gift. When you bestow something on somebody, they haven't earned it. They are given it, even though they don't deserve it. And I think John is reflecting now probably at the age of about 90 or 95 on God's great love, not only for him, but for the whole human race. And uh, he's trying, I think, as best words can do to portray God's love for us in the text that Jerry read. Thank you, Brenton. Isn't that amazing, listeners? Called children of God. If we then are God's children... How should we address him? Is this important? In Matthew 6 and verses 5 to 9, Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray. Now this may seem a bit odd, teaching someone to pray. Ian, would you read and comment on this? Yes, well, I won't actually read what Jesus said, not at least the first part, but he simply said there are three, he gave three instructions. Number one, don't make your prayers a big show. And he pointed to the Pharisees and some of the people who did that. And then he said, 
go in secret. Make it make what you say between yourself and God. And thirdly, he said, don't just babble away saying lots of words. And then he taught his disciples and us to pray this way and starts out with these words, Our Father in heaven or Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So Jesus pointed his followers to speak about God as their Father. Now this is very interesting because I've uh, read quite a lot about the Greek gods and about the Nordic gods and I was in high school and <clears throat> something struck me very much that those gods are fickle. Those gods are very remote. Those gods don't really care. And basically you had to make an appointment to approach them because particularly in the case of the Greek gods, you dare not interrupt their festivities that they may be having up in the cloud somewhere. On the other hand, in addressing the God of heaven, our God, we address him easily because he loves us. He is personal. He is approachable. He cares for us, and he's always available. So the uh, the um, it's not actually a metaphor, but God wants to be known as part of the family. He is our creator. He wants to be called his father. Now, there are quite a few different names for God. El Shaddai. It's God Almighty. He's the creator. He's mighty. He's mighty. He, uh, another one of his names is Jehovah Nisi. And that means the one with whom I identify. Now, when I was a little kid, people might say, who's that little kid there? Oh, that's Melvin's son. You see, I was identified through my father. And in this case, I can be identified through my God. And then there's Jehovah Ra'a. That's God is my protector. And there's a whole lot of different ones. And I'll go down to the last one. Jehovah Jireh is my provider. My provider. So God wants to be known as a personal God and we are part of his family. And I think that's beautiful. So when we start our prayers, it's good to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, as Jesus taught. Thank you, Len. Again, we see Jesus telling us to call God our Father. Now, I know some of us may not have a Father that we see or may never have known but we all have the opportunity to accept God as our Heavenly Father, who is on call 24-7 and loves us more than any human being can. In this sometimes cold and difficult world, it can be comforting to know that not only do we have a friend in Jesus, but also his Father, God, is our Father. Now, it may surprise some people to know that God 
owns everything on this earth. Mankind may have made or built great things, but all the materials originated from God. Denise, would you tell us more about this? Sure, Ken. Um, the text that I'm going to look at show us that God is the creator, he's the sustainer, and he's the possessor of the whole world. And because of that, he's worthy to be worshipped and reverenced. In Psalms 24, verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. In Psalms 89, verse 11, it says, The heavens are yours, the earth also is yours, the world and all that is in it, you have founded them. So there we have God as the creator. Um, then in Haggai 2, verse 8, it says, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. Mankind owns nothing on or in the earth or the seas. Even our bodies belong to God, as we find in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20, where it says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God and you are not your own? And I want to include verse 20 here where it says, you were bought at a price, which is the death of his son. And then it says, therefore, honor God with your body. So really, everything belongs to God, even us. Thank you. Lynn? I don't know if anybody here knows anything about maritime law, but um, in maritime law, uh, basically, here in this country, our king or queen owns all this country. So our houses, our cars, everything, in reality, belong to now the king, King Charles. However, they don't actually own it either. God is superior to them. So God is the owner of everything if you look at it in terms of maritime law. Well, what lesson can we take from this message or should we take from this message? I think in that successful people may attribute what they have accrued to their personal ingenuity and prowess. What they need to remember is instead is that everything is God's. As Lena said, even if we accumulate many riches, goods, or even um, have a large family, it is all the Lord's, and it is he who gave it to us. And uh, he gave us the means even to accrue what we have. I'd like to read two little texts. Job 41, verse 11, says, puts it quite plainly, whatever is under the whole heaven, is mine, says the Lord. In First Chronicles 29, verse 12, he says, Both riches and honor come from you, that's God, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. We're totally dependent on God for everything that we have. And it's a good thing to remember this, uh, Ken. That is a good thing to remember, Will. Liam? 
Yes, well, the text that um, Denise read from 1 Corinthians 6.19 just doesn't talk about all the stuff that we have, but it says you are not your own. In other words, our lives belong to God. Uh, We are only custodians of them, if you like, but God gave life in the beginning. Therefore, we owe our very existence to him. Brenton? Also adds the issue, I think Glenn touched on it well, if we are not our own, there is a degree of accountability, isn't there? The A word. (laughs) We hear a lot about it, but in in actual fact, we are accountable to God, not only for uh, our service and our obedience to him, but also for the way we look after our bodies. And uh, I think that's a very important facet of what we are going to be studying in this series. We're not just going to be talking about money and uh, possessions. We're going to be talking about other things and health and is one of those aspects that I'm sure we'll be looking at in future weeks. Well, we have heard that God wants to bless us. Some people may be thinking of material things only and wondering why they are not rich, not realising they have already received a mighty blessing. Brenton, would you like to answer this one? Certainly, uh, I'd be happy to do that, um, Ken. I think John 3.16 is the best-known text in the Bible. It says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you know who that was said to? That statement was made to a person who was rich, who was well-educated, who was a teacher of the people. It was made to show him that the greatest gift God could give was the gift of his son. There's a statement that I came across, Ken, this morning that I'd like to share with you. It says, the heart of God yearns over his earthly children with a love stronger than death. In giving up his son, he has poured out to us all heaven in one gift. Did we really get that? All heaven has been poured out to us in one gift the gift of his son. And when we start thinking about this subject, I I think the greatest gift was not only the fact that God gave his son, but that he gave him willingly. And 1 John 4, 9 and 10 say, Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us. And it says something along these lines as well. It says, Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. Propitiation is a word you never hear today in 2023 very much. It simply means he sent him to buy us back, and uh, there is no greater gift. If you stop and think about it, um, gifts today are largely based on what it costs you to get it, and it cost God everything. He couldn't give any more than to give his son in order to save us. That should set the compass for our lives. That should show us that we are of infinite value in God's sight to such a degree that he was willing to send his son to die for us. And uh, we're looking forward, I believe, not only his panel, but also our listeners, I'm sure, are looking forward one day to seeing Jesus face to face when we see the one who gave himself as a ransom for us. 
Thank you, Brenton. That was a good explanation there. But the blessings do not stop there. Gary, what other blessings are available? Um, many and varied. Absolutely. Um, it, and is it always good to count your blessings and to be conscious of God's goodness? Um, there's f the four uh, verses that I like to uh, go to in Scripture. And the first one is uh, in Acts chapter 2 verse 38 where it talks about the forgiveness of our sins and um yeah, it says there repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sins well just imagine to have the burden of guilt lifted from your shoulders after having confessed your sins and know and experience the joy of forgiveness and that it enables you to make a fresh start what a relief what a joy I'm thinking of what Jesus would say. Your sins are forgiven. Many times we read it in the Gospels. Go and sin no more. What a relief. Uh, then we go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, where it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not by works, lest any should boast. So faith in itself is a gift from God. But it is a particular kind of faith. Uh, it's the kind of faith that uh, doesn't just accept the facts, but a faith that transforms your life and leads you to action. It's the power of God at work in the life of a Christian that makes them a committed follower of Christ. It's a wonderful gift. And then we go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, where it talks about peace in this life. And it says there, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. I think you would all agree with me that the world is in a terrible mess. In Luke 21, verse 26, uh, it says, Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. Well, we see that every day, don't we? The world's in a terrible state. But in the midst of all the turmoil, that is happening around us, and even perhaps in our own lives, we can still find great comfort in Jesus' promise that he gives us in uh, John 14, verse 27, where he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. And there's another beautiful verse in John 14, verse 1, where it says, Let not your hearts be troubled. So it's a beautiful gift to know that Whatever is happening in your life, you can still experience God's peace in your life. And finally, in Matthew 6, verses 31 to 33, um, four times Jesus says, don't worry, don't worry. Four times, that's the Sermon on the Mount. And he explains that our Heavenly Father knows that we need all the necessities of life, all the basic needs that we have to have every day and that he's able to meet them. He is our creator. He's the creator of the universe, and for whom nothing is impossible. And what he's saying here is that if we make him first in our lives, he promises to take care of us. I'll just read uh, verse 33. It says there, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. What a, what a wonderful promise. Thank you, Jerry. I think some, sometimes these are really hard for us to get our heads around, 
but especially in the particular time we're living at the moment, there are so many people worried and uh, really concerned and not really looking forward to the future. But if they were to know God, know Jesus, they could have this inner peace, know that everything at the end of the day is still controlled by God and he has our lives in particular care that he's really looking after. Brenton. Uh, Ken, there's something interesting. Uh, Jerry read some very good texts there, which <clears throat> are some of my very favourite texts. But one thing I, I find interesting, the word peace. Uh, for a Christian, the word peace is different perhaps from the peace that the world brings. I mean, Jerry did bring that out in his text. But the point is this. It is possible to have God's peace when you're in the midst of absolute trouble. The roof can literally almost be falling in on you and you can still have God's peace. Now, that's unexplainable. You can't actually go to a school or to a tech college or university and learn about that type of peace. But if you are right with God and you know the future, you know that Christ is coming again, you know that he's going to put everything right, you can have that peace even when everything around you seems to be abandoning you or failing you. That's so true, Brenton. Well, there was another very special gift that God would give to his people. Denise, what was this and what was it for? Well, after Jesus' crucifixion, when he was returning to heaven, he made a promise to his disciples that he would send a helper, a comforter to them. I'm sure they were feeling afraid, bereft. Um, what are we going to do without Jesus? Why isn't he setting up a kingdom on earth? And he promised that he would send the Holy Spirit to them. And in John 14, verse 26, it says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Um, this is really the third member of the Godhead that the Father and, and the Son were promising to send to the followers on earth, um, a spiritual person who would um, help them in their everyday lives. And when we think about it, we cannot be Christians without the help of the Holy Spirit. That's very true. It's amazing. I know, looking back on my life, what amazed me was that before I knew God, he knew me and was looking after me. And there has been a number of times before I knew him and after action where I've had some pretty serious accidents and may not have been here today. I'm thinking, well, that was a bit of luck. Then, of course, later on when you come to know God, you realise that he's been looking after you. And I often look around other people who have died and not knowing God, wonder why I'm still here today and know God. So the, the blessings that God gives out for his children are really quite incredible. And I know for one, I can never really get, get my, my head around that. So... The, uh, the blessings of God are great. Now, God calls us his children, and if you have children, you want the best for them. You want to protect and nurture them, and so it is with God. There is a wonderful passage in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Brenton, would you read this and comment on it? I certainly will. 
It says this, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Ken, for many people, this is a favourite Bible text. As a minister, I've been around to various churches and often asked people in in classes and that sort of thing, what is your favourite Bible text? Almost invariably, this will come up at some point in time, Jeremiah 29, 11. But I'd like to read the next verse. It says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. Hmm. Now, Jeremiah 29 is interesting. Uh, the background to it is it's actually a letter written by Jeremiah to the exiles in Babylon. And verse 10 points out that you're going to be in captivity for 70 years. Then I will do all the good things that I've promised to do for you. During that 70 years, I want you to settle down. I want you to have children, get a job, build houses and inhabit them and do all the other things that you would normally do if you were back in Jerusalem. But here he's saying, look, I only have good thoughts towards you. I only have good plans towards you. But I found the next verse, Ken, the one where he says, you will call upon me and I will listen to you. I will answer you because earlier in the book of Jeremiah, God says in chapter 7 and verse 17, I won't listen to you. You can talk to me all you like. You can carry on and say the temple, the temple, the temple, but I'm not listening anymore. Uh, so here we find a complete change in the fact that God is now willing to listen to his chastened and disciplined people and he's able to um, respond to them in a positive way. I believe that uh, God's plans towards us, uh, this text that we've just read, I believe can, can apply to us as much in 2023 as it applied back there in about 605 BC when it was written. I think it's a, a wonderful text. And it's a text that we probably should read every day. I know the thoughts I have towards you, <laughs> thoughts of peace and to give you a hope and a future. If we were to accept that every morning in our devotions, and I'm talking to our listeners as well now, I believe that uh, this would really make a difference in our spiritual life. I'd just like to comment quickly on verse 13, uh, Brenton, that you mentioned there. <laughs> you may. <laughs> uh, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. True. <laughs> I think that is a really important part of that verse. Um, you know, we can't be half-hearted and expect God to uh, to bless us in every possible way. Um, we have to be fully committed, and that is what God requires anyway, doesn't it? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. Um, so we have to be very switched on all the time. But what wonderful benefits there are, what wonderful rewards there are to, to walk with God moment by moment and know that he is guiding you, leading you, yeah. that his hand is over you. It's, it's just a beautiful thought. And, and, and not only a thought, but it's a beautiful reality. Yes. Yeah. And... Yes, Ken. Uh, recently, I went to a one-hour golf coaching course. There's always room for improvement in this silly game that I play. And uh, the coach said something which made quite an impression on me. She said, when you hit the ball, hit it with commitment. In other words... A half-hearted shot doesn't work very well. And I, I can tell you from 
experience, a half-hearted shot doesn't work well. And the same thing applies in the Christian life. We are to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. As we can, uh, there's slight variation on what's found in Deuteronomy in the New <laughs> Testament. So when we when we love anything or anyone, we should do it with commitment. And that's a, a really important uh, statement. I actually thought when you started that you were going to say, keep your eye on the ball. <laughs> but that, that's very good. But anyway, again, we see the Lord God telling us he has plans for us. Sinful as we are, God declares he wants to prosper us. And though his word tells us the hope we have and the future we will inherit when Jesus returns. Of course, to receive all these blessings, we must believe in Jesus and follow his teachings as laid out in the Bible. As in any family, there are responsibilities. Each member must play his or her part to help the rest of the family and watch out for one another. Then, what would some of these responsibilities be? Well, they all centre around a four-lettered word that's found often in the Bible. It has two consonants and two vowels, and it's spelled L-O-V-E. And, um, okay, John chapter 15 and verse 12. Jesus instructing his followers, and that's us, that's you too, listeners, And Jesus said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now, that's a pretty high standard. As much as Jesus loved us, how much did he love us? He loved us to the point of death. And the instruction is that we as his followers are to love each other even as he loved us. Now, That's a pretty tall order. And most of us just stop it, love each other. And we forget about the standard of love that he's talking about. All right, that's number one. Number two um, is found in Acts 16, verse 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Now, this is not the L-O-V-E word. This is the B-E-L-I-E-V-E word, believe. Believe doesn't mean just, oh, well, I read it in a book somewhere and and I agree with it. No, believe goes around this business that I was talking about before to make a commitment. That's the sort of belief. We have a, a standard. It's not just a, yes, I saw it, I believe that, and move on. No, when you believe, it's it changes your whole life. Your whole life is committed to the Lord. All right, back to the L-O-V-E word, Mark 12, verse 30. Before, love one another, even as I have loved you. This verse says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Is there anything left out? 
No. It's to love God with all our being, all our thoughts, all our all our relationships, everything we do is to demonstrate our love for God. That's a pretty tall order too, eh? But nevertheless, a standard is given. It's got to be all. And then there's another instruction, and this is found in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3, and it gives a definition how love for God is demonstrated. And this is the verse. It says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And then it adds, And his commandments are not grievous. You know, there are a lot of people who claim to love God, and yet they say the commandments don't apply anymore. Now this to me is so ridiculous, especially in the light of that verse I read and then if we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 19 it says circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing keeping the commandments of God is what is important so those people who say I love God yes I love him and they don't keep the commandments really are hypocrites so here we've got those four instructions, love one another, believe in the Lord Jesus to be saved, love God, and then in loving God to keep his commandments. I reckon that's pretty comprehensive. And it gives us the guidelines, the roadmap, if you like, in the, how to live the Christian life. Thank you, Glenn. We've just been reading how God wants to help us and bless us in all things. Would some of you like to give some examples where you've actually seen God really, really working on something amazing in your life? Glenn. All right. Well, at one stage I was in business. I had an automotive business and... Like in any business, there are ups and downs. There are times when you're very busy and there are times when you're not so busy. And I recall several occasions when various people who I knew who were also in a similar business were lamenting the fact that business was slow. There wasn't much income. And um, I used to close my business on Friday afternoon because I would keep the Sabbath as we are commanded in the Word of God. Now, usually Saturday morning is one of the best times for business when people are not working and the kids are not going to school. There's a bit of free time. They go out, do their shopping. They buy cars, etc., etc. And I was selling and repairing cars. And uh, so here's the situation. My business was closed all weekend. Some of these other businesses were open on Saturday morning. They were uh, having lots of trouble during these slack times. I wasn't. And I thought about this and I thought, yes, I believe God is blessing me 
for obeying his word. And that's what I was talking about before. We need to obey. It's part of the Christian life to demonstrate our love for God. And so for me, I could see God's hand in keeping my business busy, flat out, whereas some of these others were slack because they never accounted for God and didn't honour and obey him. Jerry? Yeah, Ken, I can tell you how, um, you know, God is, is wonderful to, uh, to his children, even if you uh, don't know him all that well. I remember when I first became a Christian, very soon after, in fact, um, I, I had just become a baptised member of the church, and um, I agreed with the, the biblical principle of tithing, and in fact, so did my wife, even though uh, she hadn't actually officially joined the church. So the point was that uh, we, we went from Australia, where we were at the time, back to Europe, back to the Netherlands, and neither of us had a job there when we came. So we prayed and we said, Lord, we, we need a job, basically. And, um, and interestingly, very quickly, very quickly, uh, both of us got a job uh, through a temp agency. Um, you know, and it reminded me of a verse I read earlier from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, uh, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. God knows your needs. And if you make him first, he will open the door for you. And uh, we, an interesting, also in my wife's case, she uh, had a job which was supposed to be only a temporary fill-in job for somebody whilst they were away on holidays. Anyway, she did such a good job that they offered her a full-time job. <laughs> and um, it's just, I, I can, I've got many experiences of how God has looked after us. Um, and, yeah, if, if, if you are faithful to God, when we sing that beautiful hymn, Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. And it's so true. And it's a wonderful experience to, to, uh, to have that in your, in your own journey and to, to know that it is true. I had an experience just the other day. Uh, I had to go to town to um, deal with um, some a scam that had happened to me, and so my credit cards were cancelled until I could sort it out, and I had to get parking in town. So I drove into town forgetting that I needed to take cash with me for parking, and <clears throat> I'm driving up the street and I'm praying Lord, how am I going to find a park? Um, I don't think I've got enough cash to pay for the parking. Um, you know that my credit cards have been <clears throat> temporarily cancelled at the moment. Please help me. And as I'm driving up the street uh, towards the city, uh, I was looking for a park and this man went to his car and he, he, he saw me coming and he walked over to me and he had a ticket and he said, there's still an hour and 20 minutes left on this ticket. Can I give it to you? And I oh, was wow. just <laughs> overjoyed. I just praised God's name and said, thank you so much for looking after me. And Wonderful. I want to say that God is interested in the little things that happen in our day-to-day -day lives, and he wants us to ask him for help, and he'll give it. Yeah. Brenton? One of the um, things that Lynn um, 
mentioned was the first one, love each other. Now, this is particularly interesting. I've only just come back from being the minister of four churches in the southeast area of South Australia. And without mentioning names or details or anything like that, one of the, one of the things that has touched me deeply is, first of all, we all agree that loving each other as God has loved us is, I think Len used the word, a very high standard. But you know what? When there is a crisis in your church family, in one of your church families, and you see people coming together and supporting one another, you begin to understand a little more what Jesus meant when he said, love each other as I have loved you. After all, the litmus test, not for those in the church only, but the litmus test for those outside of our church, he said, by this, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Yeah. When you see church members supporting one another, hugging one another, putting their arms around one another when there's a crisis in a family in the church, you realise that what God said is not impossible. We have a long way to go, but it's a start. And I believe that it sets a good example to the rest of your church family, whoever they may be, wherever they may be, of what God wants for us. It really is amazing what God does for us. And as Denise said, uh, it doesn't have to be a huge thing. God is interested in everything we do. Um, my favourite verse in the Bible is uh, Proverbs 5.3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Uh, and lean not on your own understanding, acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths. Mm -hmm. Now, that literally means in all ways, no matter what your issues or problems, he is our heavenly father. He has a, a heavenly store of blessings that none of us could begin to understand. He wants to help us in all things if we will be faithful to him. I think what we've read so far, we could sum up, what we've heard, um, read so far by saying that love God and put him first, followed by love your neighbour as yourself. Finally, Jesus gives us some very important advice. Treasure in heaven. Well, what is this and where do we find it? Ken, Jerry made reference a little earlier to our dependence on God and he referred to Matthew chapter 6. I'd like to read some of the select passages from this chapter. Matthew chapter 6, Do not store for, up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, but where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 25 says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat and drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. And you are, are you not much more valuable than they? 
Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you of you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Like Brenton said, this should uh, be a key um, guide in our lives, I believe. Put all of our worries away and trust in God. Thank you, Will. Wise words from Jesus himself. Denise, you have a segment to finish with. Yes, this sentence is related to what Will read from Matthew 6, and it says, Who hasn't read story after story of those who have amassed great wealth only somehow to lose it? Our world is a very unstable place. Wars, crime, violence, natural disasters, anything can come in a moment and take away all that we have worked for and perhaps even what we have honestly and faithfully earned. Then, too, in a moment, death comes, and so these things become useless to us anyway. That is so true. Listeners, the heart of God yearns over his earthly children with a love stronger than death. Giving up his Son, he has poured out to us all heaven in one gift. The Saviour's life and death and intercession the ministry of angels, the pleading of the Spirit, the Father working above and through all, the unceasing interest of heavenly beings, are all enlisted on behalf of men's redemptions. You have heard how God wants to bless you. He invites you to join his family here on earth. Now we are not saying that if you come to Jesus, life will be a bed of roses. Like the weather, we have sunny days as well as rainy days. Even Jesus tells us in John 16 and verse 33, I have told you all these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Take care, I have overcome the world. However, as followers of Christ, you are part of God's family. God has promised in his word that he will always be with you. Even until the end of this age, which according to scripture is approaching soon. Is there any finishing comments any of the panel would like to add about today's study? Well, listeners, as you all are aware, this world is a mess and is getting worse day by day. Our Heavenly Father, 
and his son, Jesus, are standing knocking at the door of your heart. They want to help you. They want to see you into the life that we were always meant to have, the one that started in the Garden of Eden. There are so many people today searching and chasing the riches of the world. But as we learnt earlier on in today's study, these are only for a moment. They pass in the blink of an eye. The eternal life is forever. And you can have that eternal life, but you can also have peace today. Peace not to worry about where your next meal is coming from, a roof of your head, or the means to earn an income. Peace to know that whatever is going on around you or in this world will not affect you because God is with you. He's going to take everyone who loves him home to a wonderful new place very, very soon. Time is marching on very, very quickly. The end of this world is in sight if you follow the Bible. Won't you invite him into your heart? After all, what have you got to lose? Then would you like to close today in prayer? Yes, let us pray. Our dear Father in heaven, we praise you because you are a good God. We've um, given some examples of how you've helped in big things and small things. We have the example of how much you love us, the children of men, that you gave everything in the person of Jesus to redeem us from the hands of the tempter. And we pray, Lord, that every person listening to this program will make a commitment to you because there is more than what we have even in this life. But you promise those who are faithful, who believe and accept the sacrifice of Jesus, can have eternal life. What a gift. Thank you, Lord, and thank you for hearing our prayer today. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone, for uh, your participation today. This was a very important uh, Bible study to realize that we are part of a big family of God. It's wonderful to know that and to trust in God who's guiding us through all the difficulties of life. And we can still be a family. My dear friend, we are inviting you to join us again when we are going to learn about God's covenant with us. We are not here left alone. God is interested in our well-being in all aspects of life. Please join us again. Until then, may God richly bless you and have a wonderful walk in the footsteps of Jesus. Awake, 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 my children, and see Clothed in strength, ransom to me In your mouth I put my words Rise up and see, I am the Lord Rise up and 